What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Journey of Legend podcast. My name is Steven, and I am joined by the man who helps the stars at night glow deep and bright, deep in the heart of Texas, Jeremy. Hey, guys, what's going on? Have you ever been introed like that before? I have not. I'm impressed that you that you know the song "Deep in the Heart of Texas." That's a staple at every um, sporting event you ever go to here in Texas. So, yeah, I just I heard the song recently, and it's kind of one of those things that gets stuck in your head and you can't ever forget. So, yeah, we yeah, have home on the range here in, in Kansas it's and everything when that song goes on. So that's yeah. definitely um, a Texas thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, welcome everybody to the Journey of Legend podcast. Um, yeah what's up what what's been going on in your journey of legend this week episode two first of all that's pretty awesome yeah uh, we, we made we it through really one showing for episode one so i thought that was awesome um uh, nothing much in my end playing a lot of games uh working a lot trying to um, nail down some youtube content and of course working on the podcasts i was really excited to hear um some news this week um in the video game world yeah, we had like two big things this week. You had a PlayStation dropping the price of PlayStation Now, and then you had a big kind of Pokemon news blowout from Game Informer. Those are really the the two big things in the in the RPG world to talk about. Of course, there's other things, but we don't really care about Red Dead Redemption Two coming to PC. So, I have it on Xbox One X. I got through maybe thirty percent of the game and said, you know what? This is one of the slowest games I've ever played in my entire life. Yeah, it's not an RPG. It is an action game oh, through yeah. and through. So, yeah. Alrighty. Sure. Well, let, let's talk a little about PlayStation now. So we both we both have used Xbox Game Pass in the past, and it's a really great service. Highly recommend it. And it looks like to compete, PlayStation has decided to drop down the price to nine ninety nine, which is basically the same price as uh, Game Pass. And I was looking through the list, and there are a lot of RPGs and JRPGs in that list. Yeah, for sure. They dropped the price. Uh, so every month, it's um, I think it's $9.99, and then you can get the yearly uh, PlayStation Now for $59.99, which is actually mm-hmm. a really good deal. Yeah, it is. But yeah, the list of um, RPGs on there, there's a ton of them. Um, Dark Cloud series, there's a, there's a Dark Souls Disgaea series, Elder Scrolls Oblivion, mm-hmm. uh, Fallout 3, 4, New Vegas, uh, Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch, Pillars of Eternity, Tales of Zestria, and of course, um, Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 1 and 2. Now, one thing to make clear is that things like um, Dark, Skull, Dark, Skulls, Dark Souls, Nino Kuni, and those Legend of Heroes games, those are the PlayStation 3 versions. So they're not the newer versions that are on PS4. But it's still a pretty cool value. Now, did you test it out at all yet? I have not had a chance to test it out. I tested PlayStation Now out when it first came out. And mm-hmm. there was just hitches in the streaming. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it, there was a lot of stuttering. I never even got to stream it. I was worried that it was something would get caught up or bandwidth would just, you know, hit a bottleneck. Um, right. I haven't tried it now. I'm kind of in and out of town these, these few weeks. But in November, when things settle down, I'm going to probably just drop a year for it for 60 bucks and just kind of see how that is yeah it'd be interesting to know particularly how the streaming works now i was not aware of the fact that playstation 4 games that are on the service are just like game pass where you download them and it's you don't stream them whereas ps3 games and the ps2 ones that are on there all seem to be the streaming style where you're streaming the game to your console 
So that's interesting. The PS4 games, basically PlayStation has their own version of Game Pass now. And it's interesting. I was doing a little research on PlayStation now. And apparently, it's actually pretty popular amongst the PlayStation audience. But Game Pass is a little bit more of a better value because Sony doesn't give you all their first-party titles at launch, whereas Game Pass is giving you all of Microsoft's first-party stuff uh, the day it launches. In particular, this month for RPG fans, we get the Outer Worlds coming out from Obsidian, folks who made Fallout New Vegas. And that is a day-and-date brand-new thing. So in a sense... Yeah, I get what they had to drop the price to compete, but I think Game Pass, in a way, is a better value, but it just depends on what you're looking for. Yeah, I think it depends. I think it really depends on what you're looking for. Um, I looked through the whole game list, and there's over 300 games on PlayStation now. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of the heavy-hitting games. So, you know, of course, you have the God of War series there. Um, You have um, all of those pretty much PlayStation exclusives. You know, the Legend mm-hmm. of Heroes is, a, you know, those two right there are pretty big. Um, but the big thing is when they said that they're going to put God of War up there. So it's God of War, um, GTA Five. So side note, but I don't know how that game is still, you know, making more and more money every day. Yeah. How is it viable still? It, I, it's perfect. Like, I, it's amazing. I, the, you know, that just blows my mind. Um, Uncharted 4. Um, but what really kind of I questioned was. How come those aren't staying there? How come they're just staying till like January? Why aren't they yeah, just going to keep looking, them on there? January 1st, January 2nd, 2020 is how long these big titles are staying. I don't know for sure why Sony's not willing to bite the bullet and really do this thing. I think they're trying to maybe get some attention and see if they can make PlayStation now a viable competitor. But honestly, until they're willing to drop their first-party titles day and date, I think that Game Pass is still really, honestly, the better deal. And you have a lot of games that launch into Game Pass. You have a lot of games that, you know, are brand new that are coming out just for it to launch. And so it's just like, man, especially if you're really into some of the more popular indie titles I think Game Pass really is your best bet, along with if you do Game Pass Ultimate, you got all the stuff on PC as well. Yeah. So, unfortunately, on the flip side, there are not very many RPGs or JRPGs on Game Pass. There are a few, but it is not near as robust, simply because PlayStation has always been synonymous with those styles of games. Exactly. I think PlayStation's realizing they're they're going to have to compete. I think Project Scarlet's really going to drop a bomb on people. You know, with Stadia just around the corner as well. I think Mm -hmm. we're entering that, you know, that this is going to be a huge, you know, clash of titans here with the streaming services and, you know, the Game Pass subscription type services. So I'm interested to see how they're going to play it. I mean, PlayStation's kind of, you know, they've done really well for themselves the past, you know, this generation. And I I think that they've got to do some drastic things, you know, to to keep up and make sure they come in and dominate the next cycle. Yeah, but speaking of PlayStation, there was some interesting news also that happened. I forgot to add it to our list, but... You had the president of Sony Worldwide Entertainment oh, leave. Yeah. yeah, Sean Layton left. We don't know why. All we got was a tweet from PlayStation that basically wished him well, and that was it. Um, I find that very interesting, simply because, and as I listen to some of the other game journalists and influencers talk about it throughout the week, a lot of times they say that Sony, whenever they're going to announce something, 
they send out press releases with embargoes and all this kind of stuff. And there was nothing. It was literally just a tweet. And, and that was it. So it sounds like that this was a very unplanned thing. Um, don't know why it was unplanned. Uh, Sean hasn't said why he left or what's going on. Some people speculate that maybe he's going to a competitor and that this is pure speculation that he's going to a competitor and he came in to Sony and he announced, Hey, I'm leaving. I'm going to go to stadia perhaps. And they're like, okay, you're gone. Bye. And it was literally a, he gave his two weeks or however much long notice. And they just said goodbye right now instead. So it's, it's interesting. Um, I think it was gamesindustry.biz that put out an article that said that a lot of developers are really concerned because they don't have good development kits right now for PS5. Kind of scary. It is kind of scary. It's also kind of scary when he hasn't said anything. I don't think he's posted anything either, has he? No, uh, I don't think he posted anything official on his Twitter. He's been liking some things on his Twitter, but yeah. not posting anything. Um, I could check right now to see as of the recording of this podcast on Sunday night, the 6th, Sean. I mean, he's also another thing that kind of, you know, is a little, I guess, chilling there is that he's been with Sony for over 30 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just kind of weird. You know, boom, you're done. You know, there's, you know, like, um, you know, um, the, the Nintendo of America, um, uh, Phil Ames, right? He, um, yeah. He gave his like six month notice, you know, mm -hmm. and he tried to, you know, ease the transition, you know, train Bowser, pull Bowser in, you know, have all that stuff together. So right. I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. So yeah, I, I think that very weird. I think PlayStation will still dominate the RPG cycle next cycle. I mean, I don't think they're ever going to no, especially right. with yeah. Final Fantasy seven. Yeah, for sure. That's going to be a big part of what's going on there. They're, they're not going to do poorly, but I really think that their competitors are wanting to seize some market share. And if they don't come out strong, they definitely could do that because a lot of people right now are really into what Microsoft's offering in terms of services. Yeah. Obviously on the games front, they've still got a little more work to do, but at the same time, they've been pumping out great games recently. So they could just bring some more RPGs in. If they could bring yeah, something well, fable, you know, like the indies are great. Yeah. But you know, those more... are only so long. I, I you yeah, know, most yeah. of those indie games are pretty short games. They don't really last a long time. And you know, gears five was kind of a little bit of a letdown to me, you know? So if they bring in more RPGs, I think it would really, really dominate. Um, well, the next one is the outer worlds and then we're getting wasteland three. So, I mean, there's two right there. True. Yeah. That'll be two. That'll be two big ones. Um, I'm hoping to see, you know, outer worlds, how it will come out and do, because they've even said, even the developers have said, this is only about a 25 or 30 hour game, mm -hmm. you know, so don't expect a fallout, you know, sort of, you know, 200 hour potential game. So, mm -hmm. but I think it's just the beginning. I think, if yeah, they do, I think so you know, too. Well, I'm getting the impression that they polish this game up real good. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be, not going to be a long Epic game. It's going to be a good short game. And they're, they're putting a lot of polish on it. They got some of that Microsoft money there at the end. And they want to see how well it sells. And obviously, this game's coming out for everything. But the next one they put out will potentially, I mean, logically be exclusive to PC and Xbox. So it be interesting to see there how that all shakes out. Now, speaking of Stadia, are you at all 
interested. I'm not. In no, Stadia. not at all. Yeah. I, I'm still of the mind I have to physically own my games. Um, I, yeah. I like my physical copies. I like my, you know, special edition copies. I just, I, I, here's the thing about Google. How many products have they sunsetted? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if Steam sunsetted, oh my gosh, we're going to lose a lot of stuff. You know, you know, so I'm just worried that it's just not going to be live up to the hype. And, you know, number one, it's, that's going to be a lot of bandwidth. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it worries me if new rules and regulations are made that, you know, would kind of control some of our bandwidth, then I would never use any streaming service like that at all. Yeah, same so, here. I, I just it, don't think... Me. I, yeah, it doesn't appeal to me. I, I like to own my games. I do not want to stream my games. I'm becoming more and more okay with digital only, you know, downloading it and just having to download. I'm... I'm I, I don't prefer that, but if there's a game coming out and that's all my options are and it's a game I want to play, I'm going to get it. But at the same time, I would prefer a physical copy of, of things if at all possible. So, yeah, Stadia doesn't appeal to me. I personally think it'll be dead in the water. I think they'll put a lot of money into it. And two years from now, well, not even two years from now, next fall when all the co- new consoles come out, and you've got the brand new PlayStation, the brand new Xbox. Everybody's going to spend their time there. Pretty yeah, much they'll, so. they'll definitely they'll definitely switch back to the consoles. I just don't get, um, you know, it, I think it's our generation too is that we're not we are not hardcore mobile device players. No, I'm not at all. Not at all. I mean, I have Apple Arcade. I love Apple Arcade for the for the sweet little indies. You know, the little one hour, two hour indies that I've been playing mm-hmm. on it. But other than that, I do not want to play. Uh, you know, like. Ghost Recon or Assassin's Creed. I don't want to play it on my phone. No, I, I want to either. sit in front of a TV or in front of a monitor and play it. It just what you can do with Stadia, just to be clear, but it just doesn't seem that big of a, a big of a deal. Yeah, I it just, doesn't. I, I can't imagine needing it's, it's. It would be like if, to be perfectly honest, it, it would be like if Sega said, "Oh, we're going to start pro- producing consoles again." We have been years and years into a two console and PC, three console and PC marketplace. You have Xbox, you have Sony, you have Nintendo. City is trying to come in as a, another competitor. I just don't think people have that kind of market share. Like we don't have the money for it. They don't have hardly anything exclusive that they've been showing. And if they've been paying attention to what Microsoft's been dealing with this generation, exclusive sell games. So, you're going to have Sony doing exclusives, Microsoft's doing exclusives, Nintendo doing exclusives. There's just no way. Unless Stadia doubles down and says, we're not trying to be exclusive, but we just want to be your destination for streaming games. And we want to be the best at streaming and all your multi-platform third-party stuff. Yes, play. it's going to be awesome to play on Stadia no matter where you are. I can see that. But otherwise, if they're going to try to position themselves as a fourth console... There's no way. Yeah. I'm just not interested. No, not at all. Now, what we are interested in is some Pokemon news. Ooh, yes. Uh, There wasn't really, like, anything, like, overwhelmingly new, but there was some stuff. Uh, There was a new unicorn-looking Pokemon in this one-hour, however-many-hour live stream. Did you see this uh, marketing (laughs) ploy that Pokemon did this last week? Yeah, so it was a 24-hour what was supposed to be a live stream, you know, of this new region in Pokemon. 
Um, and apparently, what I what it made reminded me of it's like if you're a hunter and you put up a trail cam. And you're mm -hmm. just kind of watching for those animals to come on the trail cam. Or if you're like a biologist that's studying like an animal and you have this camera up and when the animal walks by, you know, it triggers the camera. That's it. It just immediately I just thought of that. I was like, oh, wow, it's like a trail cam. Um, so, yeah. So apparently there was, you know, every now and then it was a 24 hour stream. And every now and then these these new Pokemon would just walk by and kind of do a little a little dance or, you know, a little, you know, kind of present their abilities or present their looks and. People went nuts. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if they officially announced the name. Some people are thinking that it's a, it's, it's the Galar region, right? Uh, the yeah. Gal Galarian region Ponyta is what yeah. it could be. Um, but I think it's a brand new Pokemon, personally. Maybe not. I don't know. I forgot about a slight change. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It could be a Galarian region Pokemon. They look adorable, and I will need one. Um, it's gotta be like a fairy type Pokemon it has to be fairy poison. That would be a weird combo. Uh, but it just looked cool and cute. We also learned a few other things, you know, they're gonna have auto saving for the first time. Thank goodness. Yes. I, for, I can't believe that the other ones did. And we've got this far without auto saving, which some people are throwing fits about too. Like there's now some why? hardcore Pokemon fans that are, you know, that they, especially the ones that min max and want to learn all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it basically goes down to the saves coming, you know, they're not going to be able to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. These are probably the same people complaining that there's not all 1000 odd Pokemon in this game. Yeah. Do you care about that? The number? Yeah. Like that all of them aren't going to be in the game. No, not at all. Because I get my fill of Pokemon. I'll play, you know, my 60 hours and then I won't collect everything. So, you know, I'm, I'm not a shiny hunter. I, I don't. Right. Um, I'll collect the ones I see, you know, the ones, you know, of course, the, the legendary ones. I'll do all that. But mm -hmm. other than that, I really don't care about making sure my Pokedex is completely maxed out. Right. I, I will fill out the ones that are new. Like, I want to catch all the new see all the new ones and evolve all the new ones. Yeah. But when it comes to the stuff I've already seen and done, I don't really have a lot of interest at all. Yeah. Um, I to collect all however many there's gonna be now, thousand plus, no interest. But so whatever they have in that game, I would like to collect all of the ones that are new for the game. So that's just kind of part of yeah. the journey. But yeah. Well, I my mean, son will. My son will go through because oh, we, yeah? we ordered sword and shield. He okay. wanted shield, I wanted sword. So he's I'm gonna play shield or sword, he's gonna play shield, and then when we're done, I probably won't play shield, you know, mm -hmm. because I've got just so much to play. But he'll switch and he'll play the sword next. So he he likes doing all that. But yeah, I won't collect all yeah. those. And the auto save is gonna be nice, you know, especially for someone like me. I'm not a diehard Pokemon fan, mm -hmm. but I do like playing it because it's just a nice, relaxing game. It really is. Mm -hmm. It's there's a lot of thought to go into it. There's a lot of planning that goes into it, and it's always just a nice story of you know people kind of overcoming, you know some odds and you know being the best or building up to be the best and it's just nice you get to make friends along the way so for me it's more about the journey you know right. and i don't have to have the 100 percent complete journey but um the, the auto save is gonna be super nice yeah i think so too i i'm excited to play i'm excited to see what kind of post game that they have um you know if they a lot of people want to bring back what they had in some of the older games called the Battle Frontier, which was just this whole epic 
kind of post-game story with tough trainer battles and stuff going on, I, I would be up for that. I like good single-player content. A lot of people will, after they beat the game, immediately go to PvP. Mm -hmm. And I know PvP and competitive battling is a huge thing with Pokemon. Yes. That's great. But I'm not a competitive battler. I just want to play really tough, like, story mode type stuff, just playing against the computer. I wish, um, and they did this with the Pokemon Black and White 2, I wish that they would have a hard mode in the game where everything was just a little bit more challenging uh, I think that would be interesting, but I don't know that it'll have it. It could. You never know. Oh, yeah. So what about the XP sharing or the experience sharing? Did you hear about that? Yeah, I think for me personally, I don't care. I think it's a quality of It's not cheating. You know, I'm over the fact that I need to individually level out all my Pokemon and swap them back and forth and for it to take longer. They're removing padding from the game by adding XP share. And plus, it'll actually keep it where I might be more likely to switch Pokemon in and out. And, you know, like I've got my team of six, but I find this new one. Let's bring them in, give them some levels. I'll try out this new one, you know. Um, yeah. I think it's good. I don't care. I'm, I'm just in for a fun Pokemon game. I think I like it because it is relaxing. It's not really that challenging, you know. So I just like it. Yeah, you're right. It's not, you know, it's not something that you have to really it's not like a souls game <laughs> it's right, to me right. it's kind of the complete in a sense opposite i mean there's really still some challenge to it always no, yeah you know? there is but you know it is it's relaxing i don't feel like i'm i don't feel like i'm beaten down all the time like i feel playing pokemon i feel like i can get i can play for an hour and get a lot accomplished mm -hmm. you know it's just about exploring the world and see what's battles. going on yeah 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 now, I, I do want to say, and I don't know if you've seen any of this on YouTube, I got turned on to these challenge runs for Pokemon, not speed runs, okay? okay. But these challenge runs, for example, um, there's this guy I follow on YouTube called Madry Bread, and he tries to play Pokemon in the most difficult ways possible. So, for example, he just beat Pokemon Black with first form bug Pokemon. And that's all he used. Interesting. So, like, the little tiny baby bug Pokemon beat the whole game with them. So, I <laughs> made it challenging. I think that's kind of interesting. I could see myself investing in some of that with Pokemon Sword and Shield, trying some of these challenge runs. Like, we run into, like, bug like bug trainer Joey or whatever, right? I would love to actually try to see, can I beat the game as a bug trainer? I'm sure I'm, it is. I'm, I'm sure it's just a lot of... A lot of thought and planning put into it, but yeah, yeah, you got to know you got to know those characters in and out. You got to know ex every one of their weaknesses, every one of their strengths, combos mm -hmm. with other characters. So when you say that, it is a very deep. There's game. depth. Yeah, Especially, there's a lot of depth. You know, with, with competitive, um, I only learned a, a you know several years back of how competitive Pokemon is, and I met a, a kid recently that he's been traveling all over the United States to compete with Pokemon stuff. Mm. You know, I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I just flew in from New York. And I went, how long were you there? He was like, oh, I was there the whole weekend. It was a tournament. We flew back. I was like, well, how'd you do? He's like, oh, you know, on X amount of dollars or I placed X place. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. He's like, yeah, you know, it's a bunch of people playing Pokemon all weekend, you know, on Switch, Pokemon Go. And then, you know, even the DS. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's crazy. Still, yeah. It's interesting. It'll, be interesting. it'll be interesting to see how it does. Pokemon Go is really still quite popular. There's a lot of people that still play it. Um, I work near a poke stop and <laughs> I see, or uh, not a poke stop. Well, there's a poke stop and a gym 
and I see people all the time parking or driving or just like standing there in yeah on the corner playing. So it's still really popular, which is quite interesting. Um, however, I don't think Pokemon Go is an RPG at oh, all. No. No, it's, I, it, so I would either. define it as an RPG, which brings us to our main topic for today. What is an RPG? Yes. So there's a lot in RPG. So first of all, you know, our mine and Steven's goal here is to share a love of journeys and, you know, exploration through RPGs and, you know, that's our JRPGs and even games that seem like RPGs, you know, they're maybe an action adventure games. Um, but that's our whole journey here is to show our love for these RPGs, hence the name journey of legend for the podcast. Right. And so we thought we'd, this episode, we would discuss what an RPG actually is. And then, you know, for us and give some of, you know, some of our RPGs that, that we've kind of, loved and grown to love and just kind of some of our examples. So we, we kind of put together here of a list and, and this is by no means a complete list. So folks listening in, feel free to, you know, ping us in discord or, you know, on Twitter, letting us know the deeper information. Um, but for an RPG, you know, we started looking at the definition and what makes an RPG. So first of all, the RPGs have their origins in basically tabletop gaming, like Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. um, there's all these built-in systems that have attributes, just like tabletop RPGs. You know, you have your strength, your intelligence type uh, abilities or skills or traits. And so everything kind of originates from these tabletop gaming ideas. So... With RPGs, though, there's immersion in a video game world where you typically play as this character or characters and you make decisions based upon the game mechanics and settings. The players typically can go through some potential character development. You know, their characters grow stronger, their relationships change, you know, their faction change, their levels, you know, with, with the different groups in the games change. They work to complete quests or objectives in the form of a main quest line and side quests or missions depending on whether you're fantasy or, you know, or sci-fi. Typically, you know, fantasy, we see a lot of quests, sci-fi missions, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So these side quests or missions contribute to the lore of the game while they build up the story and the characters build up in, a, in an indirect manner that are optional when you do those side quests. Um, sometimes those side quests are like, you know, relationship quests. Uh, we typically find in a lot of RPGs the romancing, you know, sure. quests. I'm thinking of Dragon Age and Morrigan. That's my... Mm -hmm. That's my all-time, you know, romance oh, yeah. experience pretty much in most RPGs. Um, there's typically a vast world that can do um, that you can do lots of stuff in. This vast world can move across continents, galaxies, planets, depending on if it's, you know, more fantasy or sci-fi. And, of course, to enhance these quests, we have built-in cutscenes throughout the gameplay. If you mm -hmm. ever played, you know, a Mass Effect game or if you, you know, Dragon Age game or Knights of the Republic or even Fallout games, there's always, you know, these cutscenes that are kind of spliced in between. Sure, and then if you go to, like, JRPGs, you have story being thrown at you right and left. Tons of it. Exactly. Uh, so, just through the conversations with characters, through cutscenes, through just whatever. I mean, over the years, it's evolved, yeah. But um, it's interesting, though, uh, as we look at it, one of the things that I think has really broadened the definition and made more games technically rpgs is this last thing here where you have skill trees and attributes and abilities and talents and things like that and you know a leveling up system if you will which is interesting to me as more and more games seem to add that 
does that make it an RPG? For example, is Assassin's Creed Origins or Odyssey an RPG? Oh, that's a good question. It it has a leveling system. It has attributes, skill trees. You buy gear. Uh, I mean, technically, yes, it's an action role-playing game at this point. So it's it's interesting that more and more games seem to be pulling in just bits and pieces of an RPG. On the flip side, a lot of people who love RPGs love games like The Legend of Zelda, but The Legend of Zelda absolutely is not an RPG by any of the definitions we've mentioned. No, um, and I think, you know, that goes to like the quest. It's just one quest, right? Yeah, I mean, you don't pick up side quests. You just have the quest to, um, you know, wake the windfish, put together the Triforce, (laughs) find the ocarina and get the stones and you know i just the other thing that's it and there are like i mean technically quests but when it comes to like character progression you don't have any you're just handed a new thing in each dungeon you don't upgrade it really at all well, you and there are probably your hearts, some your health yeah that's true there are probably some people who'd be like screaming at us yes zelda is an rpg <laughs> absolutely uh but I mean, really, yes, not really. I mean, it would be the last. It would be the least of it. There's many more games um, that would be more RPG-like than than Zelda would or, or other games would. Um, at the same time, the concept of Dungeons & Dragons, as a general rule, has influenced everything that video games are. Oh, yes. Uh, it just is. Uh, that is it. So... Even games where, you know, games back in, you know, the NES and the SNES era that were first coming out. I think of one of my favorite NES games, Star Tropics. It's an action game, but it feels like an RPG. You do a ton of quests, like talking to people and, and yeah, you upgrade your weapons a little bit, but you don't level up. I mean, it's not an RPG by definition, but it feels like one, but it's just really heavily influenced by concepts like Dungeons and Dragons. So it's... It's amazing what it's amazing how the idea of a role playing game has really influenced all of gaming at this point. Oh yeah, I mean those those games. You know, you've got Dungeons and Dragons, Shadowrun, um, all of the coding and the programming in the background are basically rolling skill checks. Mm-hmm. You know, constantly. That that's that's what a lot of this game is. You know, I'm playing Earthbound right now um, for the first time. You know, every time I level up, I get extra points. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's always comparing you know every time i get hit it's comparing my defense to their attack you know so it goes back to those are and i'm a huge obviously this is going to come out at you know at any time now i'm a huge tabletop rpg fan i've mm-hmm. been deeming dungeons and dragons for years now, um, i played Shadowrun. i have a book on my desk of a new rpg that i just got in that was just released last year um so all, What's all of these games have their basis in those tabletop rpgs yeah, but what's interesting to me is how it's almost like the old school Japanese style role playing games really embrace the Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, like it's it's literally turn based. Dungeons and Dragons is a turn based game for the most part, and so it's it's interesting to me how those old school JRPGs like Dragon Quest and the first Final Fantasy and some of those games that came out literally just was a copy and paste of Dungeons and Dragons in a digital form for you to watch. I find that interesting how that came out of Japan more and not out of America more, you know, not necessarily America, but English speaking countries where Dungeons and Dragons was initially much more popular. 
Yeah, the Midwest here in the United States is yeah. is the big origin origination, yeah. I guess, of of those tabletop games. So there, are, so then there are different RPGs. You know, so we've got your action RPGs, you've got your JRPGs, and JRPGs. When I was a kid, you know, JRPGs were few and far in between. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't have access to all those really cool games. Um, even a lot of times, you know, you'd have a cool RPG released like uh, Mother, you know, for Super Nintendo. Um, actually, it was a Nintendo. One of those two, <laughs> um, you know, that wasn't seen in the West um, until we got Earthbound. You know, then you've got these other games as well that, you know, I don't really remember seeing a lot of JRPGs until I really got invested in the PlayStation 2. And I was right. like, holy crap, look at all these games that are out, you know. And you got the Persona series, uh, Final Fantasy, you know, you've got um, some of the other, you know, JRPGs, um, like Octopath Traveler. So, mm-hmm. I mean, because those are all JRPGs, correct? Right, yeah, yeah, for sure. Whereas for me, my, I didn't know what a Japanese-style role-playing game was initially, but one of the very first games I actually ever played was Final Fantasy, the OG Final Fantasy on the NES. Nice. My um my grandparents i have an aunt who is just five years older than me so we've always been a little bit more like cousins than her being my aunt and she had an nes and she had super mario brothers 3 ninja turtles and final fantasy of all things and i went to their house to play it i'd put it in i would name the characters i would run around try to do the fights i was I don't know, six, seven at the time. I had no idea how to play these games, but it was that was my first exposure. So some of the very first games I ever played were JRPGs. So it's really no surprise that now I enjoy it. I will say I've never beaten the first Final Fantasy <laughs> ever in my life, uh, but it's, it's interesting. My real connection to it, and this might actually be a really good podcast uh, topic to go deeper in, but my real connection to these types of games, particularly Japanese style, came in the SNES era um, when I first played Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. So, and that's kind of kind of where I started. But we should save that for another topic, for another yeah. time, kind of our, our origin. But I do want to ask like one final question of you. What do you think makes a great RPG? Um, I think, first of all, a great RPG has to start with a vague mission. Mm-hmm. You know, and most of them do, you know, it has this, this vague mission that as you go through, it's full of twists and turns, you know, from doing these side quests that contribute to the main quest or whatever. So I think that's one of the, one of the main things for me is, is the story and the journey. Um, but I love character creation. I think character mm-hmm. creation and character building is, is really big for me, especially, you know, cause sometimes I'm feeling roguish. Sometimes I'm feeling like a mage. Sometimes I'm feeling like a tank, you know? So I think having a bunch of the ways for me to play the game, it really kind of makes it an RPG for me. Um, I always think back to Dragon Age and how if you don't feel like playing the main character, well, then you can switch to another one of your companions, Mm -hmm. you know? And you can just, every time there's a battle, just take control of him or her. Um, So I always felt like I really enjoyed that. And of course, I like crafting. I'm a huge, you know, in, in World of Warcraft, I played that for, you know, a long time. And mm-hmm. one of my first things in every expansion was I would immediately start working on crafting just because I felt that that was, to me, that was something cool and peaceful and something chill I could do, you know, and um, make new wares and understand new, you know, I guess new uh, trade skills, but as well as new, you know, points and attributes in the game. And I also love building relationships. 
I like building relationships, not always positive. Sometimes I play the bad guy, you know, Mm -hmm. especially if it's a character that comes off as a jerk. I like playing and building even negative relationships in games to see how that's going to affect my outcome in the game. Um, Just finishing (laughs) Greedfall. There are a few things I did and didn't do, and my ending was affected because of it. Yeah. So I like having those decisions with others in the games that I'm building relationships with, but they can be both positive and negative or even neutral at sometimes. Yeah. I see. It's interesting. I like the types of games where you can create a character, but at the same time, I really enjoy games where they, they, that you play it from the perspective of a character. Uh, Tales of Asperia is one of my favorite uh, JRPGs. And in that game, you don't create anything. You are thrown into, and you play this guy named Yuri. He's your main protagonist, and you follow their story, and you just kind of make their story happen. Um, It's it's really just hardcore interactive storytelling. You don't make any choices in that game to impact the overall telling of the story, um, the only choices that you make are how you're going to play some characters. You're going to focus more on attack damage, magic damage, skills, all that kind of stuff. You know, how you're going to level them, what are you going to equip them with, stuff like that. But otherwise, the story just plays out for you as you go through the experience. And I like having a great story told to me. Uh, so that's one of the reasons I really like Japanese-style role-playing games more. At the same time, I enjoy creating a character i love the way i have always played my commander shepherd in mass effect (laughs) i I, you know it's 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 my commander shepherd and i'm sure other people played it similar to me but the way i thought about it and i made decisions based upon how i thought i should make the decisions i like i love decisions i love that type of rpg as well And, and that's the awesome thing we can have both so easily have both where you know I played through Final Fantasy 7. I played through Final Fantasy 10 this year. Played through Final Fantasy 12. And those were great epic stories that got told to me. I didn't make a single decision just how I was going to fight the monsters. And, you know, that was it. And it was still an amazing experience. So whether I'm the one helping craft the story or the story is being told to me and I'm just living it out and being those characters, either way, um, I, I'm really into it. But the one thing I will say, the one thing I really think makes a great RPG, and this can be Japanese or Western, is I want to play dress up with my characters. Oh, you're the, <laughs> yeah. I want to be able to outfit them in cool outfits. Um, I want to be able to find stuff in the world, new hats. Here's the thing. I want gear to impact how my character looks. Yeah, yeah. So if I get a cool piece of gear, I want to see it. It doesn't matter the genre. I've played both genres where you don't really see it at all. Um, and anymore, it's it's not as it's not as much at all in Japanese style. But I want to see gear. If I put gear on a person, I want to see an aesthetic change. So so you're the type that doesn't even matter if the stats on the gear are not going to help you at all. You just, you just kind of want to just <laughs> see some difference? I mean, difference. if it's like really going to negatively impact me, yes, I will not put that <laughs> one on. But if it's like, oh, I could have this much damage or this much damage, which sword looks cooler? 
that's my gonna be my real question because I can keep grinding. <laughs> I could love a lot more, and we can still get through this no matter what. I mean, there's challenges where people beat the with beat games with the initial gear set, so you know it's whatever. But yeah, I want it to look good, and I want to see that gear and that armor and and have it impact. And if the game doesn't have that, in the case of like the Tales games, you always get tons of outfits to unlock for your characters, and I love that. I think that's a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you know, I I, I kind of like a little bit of everything. There's not something in RPGs that really makes me like one more than the other. I just really like pretty much so everything about the genre. There's more things I dislike that would turn me off than things I need to turn me on to it. So, so a lot of things you said really just blew my mind. And, you know, I guess subconsciously I knew them. I, you know, like I, I understand. But now hearing, you know, you say it like, for instance, now that I think about it, yeah, character creation just really is not as big in JRPGs. Mm-mm, not at all. I, you know, I realized it, but I guess I never really thought about it, you know. And, yeah, I guess, you know, boom, there you have it. So let me ask you this. If you had to pick one RPG, just the name, what would it be? What do you mean? Like, based upon what? What am I picking this for? Just, like, just out of all the things we've said, you know, what we like, kind of what we understand, what is that one RPG that's always done it for you? Uh, can I pick a JRPG and a Western RPG? Sure, yeah. Okay, so if I were to pick a Western RPG, Mass Effect, the whole trilogy, hands okay. down. Um, Japanese style? Uh Probably honestly, Tales of Vesperia. I love a lot of JRPGs, but Tales of Vesperia is just absolutely one of my most favorite ones. That's awesome. So, what about you? Like, if you know, what would you pick? I'm pretty basic on the JRPG end. Of course, I, I think I'm you know Final Fantasy, uh, Final yeah. Fantasy Seven. Yeah. Um, but for you know the Western end, I it would have to be a game that I just played this year because I'm crazy and I never really played it. Um is um knights of the old republic okay yeah i would have to say that was that was a treat knights of the republic was a huge treat for me and i never played it um because i didn't have an xbox back in the day uh that's mm-hmm. that, when it came out i was in college mm. so i never played it but i fell in love with that game yeah i mean they're good stuff um i i need to play that particular series through and i have never played the uh the Knights of the Old Republic. I started Knights of the Old Republic one. I was like, oh, I'm going to play this like a bad guy. I'm going to be a Sith. But then I was like, oh, this is not the ideal way to play through no. this game. You are, yeah. you are, you are a jerk and you're miserable. And the way I understand how the story plays out, and I'm not going to spoil it because some people still haven't played it and they need to play it and not have it spoiled. But the way the story plays out, you really don't want to play a Sith. You do not want to play no. a bad guy. You could like be a little bit dark, but you want to mostly stay in the blue that entire game. Yeah. Uh, so I need to give that a replay at some point yeah. and play the second one. But uh, yeah, those are those are all great games. And there's just so many awesome ones we're going to get to play in the next couple of years. We've been making a list of games that we're going to stream. And what do we have? Earthbound, yep. Pokemon. We're going to look at doing the Trials of Cold Steel series. Uh, what else was on that Outer list? Worlds? Outer Worlds, which comes out. Uh, so, And then Star Ocean First Departure, which is coming out. The, the remaster of the first Star Ocean sounds really awesome, too. So we have a lot of awesome games of both genres of RPGs that I think we're going to really enjoy and be able to talk about here. 
Thank you to the Heatley Brothers for the use of our theme song, 8-Bit Power. You can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Dr. Level Up. And you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Mr. Skyroby. And uh, we will let you know when the podcast is available on iTunes. Now, you can find us on Anchor and Spotify. Eventually, Anchor will get us access to all those other things as we continue to produce content. So we'll let you know when. Otherwise, follow both of us on Twitter, and we will get you those podcasts when it's updated. Our plan is to come out every Tuesday, but we'll let you know if that changes. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoy your week, and have fun playing those RPGs. Yep. Bye.